If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 Emily Anker's our guest today. Emily's an eventing specialist, rider, trainer and coach and has ridden at most of the four stars around the world. How are you today, Emily? Well, thank you. That's great. Emily, we normally start off with a quote. It might be a quote that you use when you're coaching or a quote that you use that's inspired you. Have you got one for us today? Oh, that puts me, I, I'm trying to think what I say all the time, probably forward and straight. Oh, well, that's a pretty <laughs> good one. would be the most common that yep. comes out. Yep, yep. No, that's, that's a really good Always one. Always telling people to go forward and straight. <laughs> I suppose if people are riding their test or riding even a course and they're thinking, I wonder if that's Emily over there, she's my coach, I better go forward and straight because that's what she'll be saying to me as soon as I come out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. There's a lot of repetition of that. Yep, yep. Now, who told you forward and straight? Where did you learn that from? That's a good question. I don't really know. I think it is something that is drummed into you from so many different coaches. I've been quite lucky over the years to have worked quite closely with many different people and I think everyone along the way has had something to add and to contribute to your learning and your understanding and I do think that forward and straight is probably something that everybody harps on a little bit about in their own, you know, they might tweak it a little bit but I think it always comes down to that as um, you know, yeah. get them forward and straight and, and then most of your problems are gone anyway. So I don't know if I can pinpoint it to one particular person, but I, I do feel like I repeat it a lot and um, so do many others. Yes, yes. And as you say, they might tweak it a bit or have slightly different versions, but that's the same thing when it all comes down to it, right? The same. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, Emily, yeah. I know you're going to have lots of interesting stories about how you started with horses, but I want you to think about your very first memories that's probably quite tricky. I grew up with my mum starting a riding school at the time, sort of we were at Cherry Orchard and, and a riding school. And as um, in my younger years, it sort of transformed to full riding school. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose before I could walk just about, I was trying to sit in a saddle and be riding logs, riding logs, we're putting a saddle on a log and riding it and trying to ride mum's horses and things. And I was probably not even 12 months old, you know, at that in those early stages um, before I got a very wicked little black Shetland pony for my third birthday before my mother realised maybe she'd done the wrong thing and found me a much more suitable <laughs> one. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't – I suppose more than anything, I can't actually remember life without a horse. Okay. So all, all my younger memories are with horses. So probably, you know, most people have a memory of them being there, whereas mine's probably a bit the opposite. I can't remember not having them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. a little bit different. Look, it, it's interesting, actually, because we come from – you know, like a lot of the the past interviewees have either said, you know, family, riding, having horses all their life, but then we get an equal amount that say, well, we never actually had horses, but I always wanted horses, so I used to hang down around the riding school and always get the free lessons and 
you know, I'd do all the work and get the free lessons, but you would have been on the other end of that because you were at the riding school and you'd see all the kids come in. So there would have been a few come in? Yeah. Interested? Yep. Yes, no, um, many friends along the way and uh, lots of riders that have gone on to do quite a lot too have started at the riding school with me or were friends with me. So it's Mm. been great. They've been very long, long last friendships, I suppose, from from quite a young age, like a really fun I think she rode at home when she was seven or something, and Georgia Clifford and Anna and things who Anna Cullen and Anna Baird have all got married these days. But yeah, yeah, they all went on to ride, and we all sort of grew up together and were, you know, turning around on ponies, bareback chasing each other, you know, going on beach rides, doing all that sort of thing mm. as as young kids on feral ponies, and then have gone on. So yeah, I, I sort of made lots of friendships of people like that that have come in to ride at the riding school and, you know, gone on for years years to come and, you know, right. still riding or still interested in the – or got some connection with the horse industry, I suppose. Yes, So yes. lucky to have that long friend. <laughs> and, and thinking about those people in particular, did they have core skills or personality traits that – that right from then you can say, you know, you wouldn't then because you were friends, but you can look now and see people at a young age that they've got specific traits that you'd be looking for in a professional within the industry? That's a really good point. Well, probably all a little bit competitive. Yep. Even at that young age, riding together and stuff, you, you were having lessons and, you know, someone's doing something better or something, and we probably all were a little bit competitive and determined in that way. And that resilience, I suppose, we're all quite tough, you know, fall off, get back on, everybody pick up pieces and keep going. Um, mm-hmm. So I suppose all of those riders that probably continued did come probably had that more than, like you say, sort of a natural ability or something that may have stood out, was probably more a bit more sort of a gutsy attitude and mm-hmm. that determination and a little bit competitive was probably more what got them. You know, they, they would work harder, try harder, pick up the pieces when things went wrong and keep going more than actually maybe a, a talent as such. It was probably an attitude more than anything. Yep, yep, yep. All right, now what did you do? Because you were in the writing school, you had lots and lots of opportunities what did you do? Did you leave school and straight away you're working with horses and working within the horse industry or did you go to uni? What happened there? Well, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know my parents did not want me to come home <laughs> yep. and work at the own as much as I sort of got an opportunity to go and sort of groom overseas, but I had back then competed as a junior until you were 18 and I yes. was still it didn't turn 18 until I'd finished school. So I was so keen to get out and do some two-star and things because we were restricted to one-star back then. Mm. So I couldn't give up the opportunity to go overseas and do that because I wanted to take my horses around. And then I think I sort of thought about going to Marcus Holden College, um, but the same thing, I was a bit limited about how many horses I could take. So the next best option was to go to uni and do a business degree, actually, because <laughs> yep. that way I got to stay home. And my parents supported me, and all. so I thought. Even though I think I spent a lot more time going around the area riding horses for people, <laughs> <laughs> pretending to be at uni, yeah. um, <laughs> I was at uni. But yeah, so I did, did a couple of years of that, and then actually deferred and just kept riding because by then I'd sort of made up my mind, and as yeah, I said, was sort yeah. of working for other people and doing doing so other you, things. Even though at the same you had time, inten- but, um, yeah, you had intentions of doing something after school, you never really stopped doing horse stuff. No, no, just kept doing it. Tried to do the real job thing or look like I was doing the real job thing for a little while, get a degree. Yes, (laughs) yes, But never quite quite got over the line. Now, a lot of people would look at you, you know, having your own riding school, which has got a great cross-country course, but there was something else I wanted to ask you about. 
And I'm sure that people have heard of the Saddle Club series. So you had a, I think the first Saddle Club series that were run were run at your centre. Can you tell me a bit about that, how that started and what it was like having the TV crews around and, you know, having the Saddle Club, having the Saddle Club series there within your riding school? What was that like? That was quite an interesting time, actually, because you, you sort of go in, I suppose, a little bit naive because you haven't had to work with the film crew and they were mm. quite a, a big crew, an American company and, and money and things like that. We got fed wonderfully because they catered for it, you know, for <laughs> breakfast, morning tea, afternoon tea, lunch. So I think we all put on about 10 kilos for the six months or eight months that they yep. were there filming. And a lot of our kids that actually rode at the riding school were stunt doubles and mm-hmm. so got to ride for all the main characters. So they had a wonderful time and made some money and I thought it was fantastic. And that's probably how we kept the clients happy yep. <laughs> because we let them have a part or yes. be involved. But as far as running a business went, it was a little bit tricky. They'd tell us to be quiet when we're teaching. Um, <laughs> and that's a little bit hard when you're trying to instruct. Uh, yep. There's a very large brick area at the academy and so the horses walking along there, they you know, wanted the horse sound, but only when they wanted it and then wanted us quiet the rest of the time. So that's really why only the first series got filmed there because it just disrupted the business a bit mm-hmm. too much. You know, it's quite a big riding when there was a lot going on and, and they basically wanted to come in and take over the whole place and yep. we just weren't able to facilitate that and still run a business. So we had a wonderful time and lots of people had a great experience and um, it was great sort of seeing the ins and outs of, you know, television and and all of that. But, yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, it was only only one series. Although, you know, the kids still bring it up today. I know that there's so many kids that are quite young and still talk about the Saddle Club series and drive up the driveway and go, wow. And so, you know, it's definitely left a lasting impression. It's good, isn't <laughs> so, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been good for mum and dad's business and, and horse riding in general because it probably, I don't know, opens the, the eyes up to many young boys and girls and things that might watch the series and think I might like to ride maybe that sort of inspires them to find the running school and start. So mm, probably, mm. you know, still keeps the door open. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I think it was a good thing for the industry, that's for sure, yeah. Now tell me about people who've influenced you because you've had quite a few and had quite a few people who've been influential within the horse industry who've influenced you. Just tell me a bit about those people. Yeah, there's been so many. I think that's the hardest bit. Um, mm. I've been in the industry too long now, I guess, <laughs> showing my age. But, you know, I've sort of worked closely with people for, you know, a couple of years or something. And everybody has played a major part, I think, in developing me as a writer and helping me through different times in my career and, and all of that. Um, I think I like to be a great mentor and support and role for the people that I coach. And I think that's come from having, well, maybe not at the beginning having as much but then meeting people along the way that really were wonderful support to me and I realised you know how big a difference that can make in just your confidence and and what you're doing and growing out and competing and so I like I suppose now to to model myself a little bit like that to be available you know even at competitions and even if it's just around the warm-up and you can yell out a few helping hints and to try and walk across country with everyone, whether whatever level it is, and give them a bit of guidance along the way and just to make them feel like there is someone to to bounce off and to support them and that actually is, I suppose, even just caring about, you know, how they're going and Mm. and eventing is such a tricky thing. There's so many different elements of it and 
a lot of the time you're almost just trying to compete against yourself and improve on what you and your horse have done at the last event. And, you know, sometimes the scoreboard doesn't always totally reflect it, yet you've actually made some giant steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's important to, as a coach too, to be involved in that and sort of, you know, watch people develop and, and understanding and, you know, at the different stages they're at. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely wonderful when you actually see the results and you get some wins and some really fantastic results yep. on the scoreboard as well. But sometimes the biggest ones might not be winning the event. You know, people have sort of achieved and stepped up to levels they'd never imagined they would get to. Or, you know, there's there's different, I suppose, um, different goals at the end for everybody, you know, um, from wherever they're coming from and what they're aiming for. And it's sort of noting all of those goals as long as as well as, you know, the sort of ribbons and things at the end of the day as well. Yep. So, yeah, so many people are nervous to start naming names because I think somebody... <laughs> you you might miss out on someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. might miss out on someone. I feel really guilty about it. Yeah. But, yeah, I just I, I feel like I've been really lucky and had many different people that have all had something to contribute and, you know, I hope I've taken good bits from them and are able to sort of offer them as a coaching role too and, you know, as a mentor and support because I think that's really important in the sport as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I want you to just put us through, if you're walking the course with someone, say you've got students who've done a bit of show jumping but not actually done cross country, you know, so they don't have the, the drops and the ditches and the water jumps and the banks. What sort of problems do you think that it is common for someone going from show jumping to cross country, and how are you going to teach those problems? You know, how yeah, to teach I think I think that, mm. that sort of you know that the cross country thing is those main elements, like you say, a ditch, a bank, and water that that are hard to school without doing cross country, and to have a good understanding of that. People often think you know they need speed and they need different things like that, but often it's that sort of lots of repetition and. You know, always going back um, as a bit of a schooling philosophy, I suppose. In my case, I always go and jump like a little tiny ditch and then work my way up to a bigger ditch all the time. And mm-hmm. till the horse is very experienced, you sort of always go back and sort of make a point of almost just walking or trotting over a little ditch and then working your way up and jumping a bigger ditch. And the same with the bank, you know, starting with a smaller one and jumping off a bigger one. So every time you're presenting a horse with that concept, it's in an easy and comfortable, relaxed way that mm-hmm. you actually are happy for them to have a look and then jump it and to be confident, it's a bit like water. A lot of people have, when they have trouble with water, they want to, I don't want to walk them, so I want to jump straight in. And I'm like, why? You want to teach them to stop and not trust you when you take them to the water. Whereas I want them to go to the water every time and go, oh, it's water, I'm trot through, and then canter through and then jump in and then mm-hmm. do that. And every time they go to water, they jump in. You know, they go first time, not question what you're asking. Yep. Whereas I think there's a lot of sort of preconceived ideas that you've got to ride it harder or faster or stronger or tougher, whereas you need to get the horses confident with every concept so that every time you actually present them and say, I want you to jump this dead big ditch or jump into this water off this big jump, they go, every time you've taken me, you've made it a good experience, I trust you, I'll give it a go, mm. rather than like you're actually trying to force them or make them or do it. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's probably a little bit where I come from in cross country is I always try to... I want you to jump the big one, but I want you to jump the little one well and build up to jumping mm-hmm, the big one every mm-hmm. time rather than feel like you've got to go just jump something bigger or tougher or harder or, or the same with that water or the drop or whatever problem it may be that you're having. 
Yep, yep. So you're really looking at the small steps of progressive training and and just building on that experience. Yeah, yeah. What about with your flat work? Have you got the same philosophy there? What sort of exercises would you use in the flat work? Yeah, so the flat work, I suppose, you're talking about you're getting back to more making the horses quite responsive. So mm-hmm. it's always, you know, thinking about going forward and back and keeping that a sharp response from the horse that, it, you know, you've always got them, that you never sort of ask. I suppose the biggest thing you see with a lot of people is they've sort of they've got the right idea, but they, they haven't got the horses quite sharp enough or responsive enough to their legs. So you when they need something, you know, or a transition, I think everything's a little dull. So I suppose it's um, on getting a better response forward and back and off your, you know, just off the leg, left or right, and keeping that, making sure people are disciplined about what they do. People sort of get in a in a bit of a pattern, I suppose. You go around and they think they're asking for something and they sort of go, oh, that was good enough, and then move on, whereas it's like actually being aware of what you're asking for and did I actually get the response? Yes, that was a good enough response. No, it wasn't. You know, and that, and so I suppose the same sort of concept be where you are trying to keep them confident mm-hmm. but responsive at the same time. Yep. And just remembering, I suppose, the other big thing I think that I probably harp on a little bit about is that, you know, whatever you're practicing is training. So if you're practicing sort of bad habits, then that's what you're training, whether it's a conscious decision or not. You know, if you're always letting your horses sort of fall into the transition and fall on the forehand, then you're sort of teaching them to fall on the forehand. You know, think about whatever you're doing on a regular basis and, you know, those things, whatever you practice is what you're training. So practice good habits, you know, just makes your life easier. So I think, yeah, I'd probably harp on a little bit about that as well, about just, you know, if it's, you know, if you've got an expectation and you expect it to do that, do it in a certain way, then make it very clear to them that that is, you know, that is what you expect of it and train that sort of behaviour and train that response. Don't sort of train it badly and then go, oh, well, they do it badly and that's naughty and then get tough about it. It's like everything you do, every bit of repetition you do is training. So make sure it's good quality habits, I suppose. Yeah. So that then you just make your, your life easier. Then they, they know what to expect and they're, in a good responsive way so mm-hmm. I suppose yeah that was probably a long answer but <laughs> no no that was good there. that was good yeah 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 what do you think your proudest moment's been because you've done quite a lot of competitive work I'm interested to see if it's the the competitions oh. that you've been to yeah you tell us yeah the fact that I've ridden you know at, at badminton and Burley and Lamoul and um, Lexington and stuff and ridden around the world like I definitely I'm glad that I've done those things and achieved those and feel really lucky to have done all that and represent Australia and New Zealand in a young rider team and, and a senior team. So I feel really glad that, that I've had those opportunities and I've done those things. You know, at the same time, everyone that I've coached that have gone on to achieve things too, like I get just as much joy out of them. But often my students say that, they're like, you know, we think you're happier when they win than when I do. <laughs> and it's a little bit like that. Like you yep. do, I get a lot of joy out of watching my students achieve their goals or be successful and winning things and things like that. I make you quite proud of them doing all that yes. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So writing at all those forces, you know, I'd love to go back and do it again and do a better job. Um, yep. But, yeah, I do get a lot of joy out of watching your students achieve things too. Okay, good, good. Um, Okay, now we've talked a bit, and I know that I'm sort of asking a lot. You've talked about walking the course and cross-country training and dressage, show jumping. What do you think is just a common problem that you see with show jumping and how would you fix it? 
a lot of the time with vitamin for eventers, I think, is actually that they just get quite nervous, like especially in a three-day event, you know, vitamin is the last phase and it mm. puts them under a lot of pressure. And so it's actually getting – people often do quite a good job until you put them under that sort of pressure. <laughs> um, and, it's, you know, they're, they're riding really well and then all of a sudden they're, you know, coming second or something and it's close and there's a rail in hand and they mm. fall apart and look like – ever ridden, you know, around before. And that's what's really hard to recreate, that sort of putting people under pressure. But, you know, you try and get them out doing those rounds and, and coaching and counting and keeping a rhythm and doing all that sort of thing and try and bring them back, I suppose, to what you do training all the time. So mm-hmm. hopefully, even in that pressure situation, they can hold it together. So I do think it, most of the time when you see showdiving not going well in eventing, it is it is from the pressure of that reverse order type atmosphere rather than they're actually bad show jumpers or that they, they just feel, I suppose they feel not as confident showdiving because of the pressure that, that is put on them, you know, in that, in that reverse order. And, and it is a hard thing to recreate. I try to get people going out and doing some extra straight showdiving to just get them okay. more confident with doing rounds and doing bigger courses. Yep. So that they go out on the, the final day of the event and they feel very comfortable at mm-hmm. that level mm-hmm. and can stay, not let the pressure get to them, I suppose. Okay, okay. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Now, have you got a book that has helped you along the way that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Oh, um, no, I don't. I don't. I thought you'd be saying the Saddle Club <laughs> series. <laughs> no, <laughs> should have been okay. saying the Saddle Club. Should have. Mm, no. mm, mm. <laughs> okay. All no, right. I don't know. I think I just think from everything you can pick something up, can't you? Yeah. Every. Yeah. Every little book that you've read, every little thing that you you do sort of um, re-inspires you. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the trainers that you've had, you know, you should have put in the line. I've had many, you know, many, many great trainers which just said they know who they are and that sort of covers yeah, it. Yeah, they know who they are. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's you've got too many people to thank. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> tell us about what you're looking forward to, what's your future hold? Oh, oh, no, wait, there was another question I had for you and that was about juggling because you've got a family, you've sort of got to juggle being a mother and being a rider. How do you do that? I'm very lucky with, you know, Will is very supportive, my husband, and he's in the same boat and he sees the family life as a totally at equal, an equal playing field, so that's fantastic. Ethan's, I think we're very lucky, it was a bit troublesome before he was born, but um, things have been out he's actually been a, a very easygoing kid and he did, I think he slept through the night the first time in the truck overnight <laughs> so he's he's no different and he comes every next year he's at school so I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure if they'll make it all harder to be fair because we do spend a lot of time away and we have some sort of great family support too because we teach quite late into the evenings and he sort of goes to his auntie and uncles one night until his nana's and poppy's another night and and things like that so I think it's We've got a great family around us, I suppose, that are quite supportive that allow us. Uh, and they're saying the eventing community is amazing. You know, Janet Horton has been almost the second grandmother to him. Um, she's had him and at events and at squads and things like that when I'm teaching. And the whole eventing community is 
really wonderful if Will and I are both riding and someone's always sort of happy to have a play with him <laughs> and, um, and he's happy to have a play with it. So I think we're a bit lucky in the sense that he's an easygoing, happy child, but I think things might get tougher if he decides to take up some other sport <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, um, and wants me to do something else on the weekend. That, yeah. that might be where, where things get a little bit more <laughs> awkward, but um, <laughs> we haven't pushed the riding thing. He sort of has you know, had a few rides and talks about it and tells everyone how well he can ride, but he hasn't got a pony or anything yet, so time will tell. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to? You've told me what you're looking, what you're not looking forward to, and that's if he takes up another sport, but what are you looking forward to? Um, In the next year, hopefully I'll ride at Adelaide Four Star on on the horse that I've got, and Mm -hmm. I've got a lovely young horse that's, Setting up to pre novice, and actually on the lookout for for another young horse, and so you know just to see what the the future holds there. We're hopefully moving into our new property that we've been trying to set up for nearly three years now mm-hmm. at Yarra Valley Venting and in Yellingbow. So we are working tirelessly trying to get that set up and organised, and really hoping to move early next year. Yep. So that's sort of number one project at the moment and um, yeah we sort of poured a heart and soul into it and hopefully we'll get it up and running and it's everything you know it's ours and it's, it's everything we've sort of you know dreamed on and can build on so mm-hmm. that's a really exciting prospect for our sort of you know future we're hoping that we've sort of got two arenas and a gallop track and lots of paddocks and things and then in the future we'll hopefully be able to have more working pupils and we get a few overseas people as well, um, Japan students and, and different ones too that come and stay with us and mm-hmm. we just hope we'll be able to expand and extend, you know, the business there from having a bigger property and, and something that that's our own. So I think 2018 is going to be a lot about the new property. <laughs> great, great. All right. Now what about if you can sum up your philosophy today into a lesson for our listeners? So forward and straight would definitely be up there. Yep. And just remember everything you do is training. So whether it be good or bad, have that you're training them. So try to make them good all the time. I think that's a big one that's on it. And with your cross-country schooling, make sure there's lots of repetition and lots of confidence building. That we, You always start small with a concept and build it up and get them confident in, in all of your concepts cross-country and then cross-country will never feel that scary. Good, good. And what about how people can contact you, Emily? Uh, so yarravalleyeventing.com.au should be up and running soon. The website has been built, but we're on Facebook as well, with, as just Emily Anker or Yarra Valley Eventing. And, yeah, bigger and better things to come in 2018, hopefully. <laughs> Great. And those details will be on horsechats.com slash Emily Anker. Emily, fantastic talking to you today. I'm sure that lots of people have got really inspired then for talking to you and uh, some people who have always dreamt about having a movie series at their writing school might be having second (laughs) thoughts. They might be having second thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's nice to have the dream but nice to say, well, I've lived that dream, I can move on and... Have another Move one on. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Not, not all of on that side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Emily. No worries. Bye. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 